you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Name, image, and likeness to me is a great concept for players. Uh, players have always been allowed to work. Uh, this is just a different opportunity for them to make money by working and using their own name, image, and likeness, whether it's signing autographs, whether it's doing commercials or ads for some company or whatever. So there's nothing wrong with that. And I told our players when this whole thing started to get agents, get representation, um, and so you create opportunities for yourself. And our players last year created $3 million worth of opportunity for themselves by doing it the right way. But I know the consequence is going to be difficult for the people who are spending tons of money to get players. And you've read about them. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. Hell, read about it in the paper. I mean, Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year that was a really good Division I player to come to school. It was in the paper, and they bragged about it. Nobody did anything about it. I mean, these guys at Miami that are going to play basketball there for $400,000, it's in the newspaper. The guy tells you how he's doing it. So... Um, but the NCAA can't enforce their rules because it's not against the law. And that's an issue. That's a problem. And, and unless we get something that protects them from litigation, I don't know what we're going to do about it. It's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. And it's ridiculous, but when, when he's not on top. And the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past. As my dad always told me this, when people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. Have you had any contact with Nick since? No. Uh, oh, he's called. You just didn't take the call? Not going to. We're done. And uh, He shows you who he is. And then I just wanted to. He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted when to. When you got all the advantages, uh-huh. it's easy. When you coach with people like Bobby Bowden and learn how to do things, you coach with other people and learn how not to do things. There's a reason people don't go, I ain't went back and worked for him with opportunities. Coach back behind don't the lines. Don't associated with it. You can call me anything you want to call me. You ain't calling me a cheat. I don't cheat and I don't lie. Because I learned that when I was a kid. If you did, the old man slapped you side of the head. Maybe somebody should have slapped him. Oh, man. Man. Hey, listen, listen. That's some good stuff right there. That's some good stuff. And I just feel like, man, there's so much to get into, Mike, on this. We really don't have enough time, especially today. We don't have enough time 
this could be a single topic show on this and all the layers and all the things untangled. But I just want to make sure that I got it right from Nick Saban. Nick Saban reminds me of, of what some people say in church. When you do it, when you do something that I don't approve of, it's a sin. You sin, you go go to hell. The devil. It's the devil that made you do it when you do it. But when I do it, well, either if I admit to doing it, that's one thing. But then if I do it, it's just a little mistake. It's just a misunderstanding. It's a mis misinterpretation of the rules. Uh, I, I, you know, maybe you got to look at it in the right context because if I listen to Nick Saban, let me make sure I get this right. Miami, there's problems in Miami. Read about it in the paper. So they do, they do things the wrong way in Miami. They do things the wrong way in College Station, Texas, where Texas A&M is. Oh, they, they got the number one recruiting class, but they do it all wrong. They do everything wrong in Jackson, Mississippi, where Jackson State, Deion Sanders, they got a really good prospect. Oh, really good? Like one of the top prospects, if not the top prospect in the country. But in Tuscaloosa, on Nick Saban's watch, everything is just fine. We got name, image, and likeness, just like everybody else. The rest of uh, NCAA schools are really struggling with how to manage this, but Alabama does it all the right way. And another thing, Mike, before I pass it to you, I just got a real problem with the coach sitting there with his legs crossed, just spouting off, making $10 million a year at least, telling people, well, what's okay for kids? Oh, you know, it's okay. I told our kids... It's okay to make some money. Damn right it's okay for your kids to make money, Nick. That's how you got a job. You're 5'6". You can't play football. You may be able to motivate guys, but the reason you make $10 million a year is because you got great athletes doing your bidding. You got great athletes who are making you and the University of Alabama look better. And before Alabama, it was LSU. And before LSU, was Michigan State. Don't sit there all cavalier like you're doing them a favor and you can pat them on the head condescendingly and like oh it's okay for you to do this make your little money because I approve of it screw you you hypocrite he said Alabama created for itself or the players created for themselves three million dollars doing it the right way the 25 players, I believe, created $3 million. I'm here to tell you, if all you got for the University of Alabama players was $3 million, then you're doing it wrong. There's something wrong with that picture. Given the amount of money Nick Saban is making, given the amount of money that university makes, and your players only got $3 million, everybody else is doing it right. Okay? It's a new day. That day is dead. We don't roll like that no more. My biggest problem, my, well, my first biggest problem with his rant was the word bought. That really pissed me off. Texas A&M bought their players. Hasn't it been a plantation system long enough? Haven't players been treated like property for long enough? Hasn't it been an antitrust violation for long enough? Can you at least, at the very least, in your righteous indignation, use better verbiage? Choose your words more carefully than to say they bought their players as if they're property. As if they can be bought. How about they were just rightly compensated for the employees that they are and have always been. 
So here's the ultimate control freak freaking out because he's losing control and God forbid finish second in recruiting. It's all good when it mean what's good for the game means when Alabama's dominating and Nick Saban right. is making money hand over fist. That's good right. for the game. Exactly. That's the parody exactly. he's looking for. When he sees challenges coming, when other people are eating, now it's problematic. And look, who are we fooling? This is about these name, image, and likeness collectives, these booster collectives. He's going to follow suit. He's going to adapt. He's going to adopt that same way of if doing things. He hasn't already, Mike. Well, no, if I'm talking about the already. I, I, I'm talking about the name, image, and likeness part. I'll I take that a step him. farther. Well, that I don't ain't, believe well, it's three million dollars. We don't. I don't, we don't wait. We don't just through name, image, and likeness. See, let's go. We 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 don't disagree here. Let's go to what Jimbo Fisher was intimating, as if Nick Saban can sweep around somebody else's front door before he sweeps around his. As if Nick Saban's house is in order. As, Nick as if Nick Saban and his program or programs don't have skeletons in their closet. Back in the days when compensating players was illegal, we don't know what they did. And we'd be naive to think that he's never gotten a single player, as if Alabama is the Come only on. place to go to get to the right. NFL. We'd be naive to think that Nick Saban and the University of Alabama or before that LSU or before that Michigan State as you laid out has never once bent if not broke the rules. Okay. To quote Terrence Howard's Quentin Spivey, Spivey in the best man. No, you've done dirt too. your shit just ain't caught you yet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's, right. let's, let's, let's not get all high and mighty. Here I love that and act like you I ain't got that. nothing that and Jim official was like, okay, the gloves are off. You want to talk about doing things the right way? I know stuff. I know where the bodies are buried and other people know where the bodies are buried too. So stop living in your proverbial glass house and throwing bricks. But when it comes to name, image and likeness, this system of booster collectives is what I'm saying that specifically if you're right, if he hasn't already done that and if he had, I think we would probably know it's coming because he's not going to do it the right way and get passed by the likes of Deion Sanders and Jackson State. The same dude you had no problem doing an Aflac commercial with putting more money in your pocket. You want to sit down there and look at look down your nose and say, oh, this Travis Hunter, they paid him a million dollars to go to Jackson State as if God forbid or Nick Saban forbid in this case that the best prospect in the country would choose to go play for the best cornerback of all time at Jackson State. HBCU can't have nice things. It's got to be Alabama. Yeah. And, and here's the other thing. And the other thing, he can get to where he wants to go, I'm assuming, that Travis Hunter wants to wind up in the pros like his head coach did at a very dominant Hall of Fame level for many years. You can go to an HBCU, wind up in the pros, and have your own Hall of Fame career. And if he did get a $500,000, $1 million, a million and a half dollar What's deal, so wrong? that's okay. What's wrong with it? What's wrong? That's it's not right. illegal, number one. Number two, what's so, tell me this, Michael. This is that hubris. What is so wrong with saying, hey, good for the players? Because without right. the players, we're nothing. This game is nothing. I'm not, I'm not successful. This game isn't as healthy as it is. It's not as profitable as, as it is. I commend all the players who are getting compensation for the work that they put to make college football what it is. What's so hard about saying that Nick Saban have a seat right next to Dabo Sweeney. I can't stand when either one of those dudes get off their high horse or put on their white wigs and decide that they're going to pass judgment on the rest of college football.
because because players have the nerve to actually finally at long last after decades of exploitation are finally getting paid over the table or would you rather it be under the table so you can manipulate it and control it a little bit better? yeah but, but it's always but it's always somebody else he's got that personality it's always somebody else's problem somebody else's issue so as I pointed out other teams are doing the NIL thing all wrong but Alabama is doing it right how about uh, he was criticized was it the player from uh, correct me is it Louisville or, or uh, a player a wide receiver transferred and I think the uh, maybe it was Louisville I, I may be getting the school wrong this happened okay. just a couple weeks ago and okay. the coach said hey Nick Saban recruited him Saban was like oh no 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 we don't do that we 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 never do that we never recruit guys we never talk guys into coming to Alabama it just happens in other schools but Alabama doesn't do it You've right. had transfers. You just, just had a transfer from Ohio State. Our guys are better coached. <laughs> yeah, we're just better. This went from Ohio State <laughs> right, to sure. Michigan, uh, yeah. Ohio State to Alabama. Jamison Williams. He had a top draft pick who transferred. Uh, you know, it maybe it was on the up and up. Maybe it wasn't. But don't act like Alabama is somehow apart from the rest of the NCAA. And Alabama is doing it the right way, and everybody else has got it wrong. Because let me tell you this. Alabama needs to do it like everybody else because everybody else, especially at the top level, let's say the top 2%, top 2.5% in college football, is looking eye to eye with them. Let's not, let's not minimize the fact that Alabama lost to Texas A&M this I'll, year. All right. All right. Georgia's they the premier the program in the country right now. Yeah. Yeah. Alabama lost the national championship game after winning the SEC championship, so maybe – the reason Nick Saban is having a hard time saying good for the kids because good for the kids means a little more of that parody that he was talking about. Oh, I wish there was parody in college football. That was a ridiculous comment. This is more ridiculous. We don't even talk about so, that. How oh, he's saying it should be more equal. No, no, you don't really mean that because this is what equality looks like. Nick, this is what it looks like and it means so what I, the Alabama can still be successful, but maybe right. not head and shoulders above everybody else. What I, what I also don't appreciate is how this fosters resentment. This, this is at the at, at the lowest levels, whether it's high school or AAU or college and definitely into the pros. This is this. This is what sows this sentiment sows the seed of resentment toward players, specifically black players as 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 in pay, as greedy that they can be bought. OK, because now it's not just those that group in Birmingham or, or, or Crimson Tide fans going let's go look sideways at Texas A&M and say, oh, yeah, you in the message boards. Oh, yeah, you bought your players. This, that and the other. It's as if the players aren't entitled or are undeserving of compensation, right. which is still far too inequitable. And the second thing is I wonder how, if at all, and if I may say, hopefully this will affect Nick Saban and recruiting at Alabama moving forward. They obviously have a factory, okay? I mean, they got they, they, they recruit with the best of them year in and year out, and they dominate the NFL draft year in and year out. But if you got some actually some players with options and some players who, you know, have some principle about themselves or some thoughtful players, but not just the players, the competition, because I would imagine every coach in America that's competing with Alabama for these prospects will play this clip and say, Here's what they think about you. 
here's That's what right. they think about you. Yeah, because I, I would you I, I would be using this against Nick Saban as much as I could. When you refer to players as being bought as if they're property. You can do better than that. You can do better well, than that. Uh, well, may, maybe you can. I, I, this is what I want to know. You should, you, you Jimbo, should be better than that. Correct. You're right. You hey, should. Hey, Jimbo. Be. Thank you very much. And and this is. I wonder what Sawaski would think about the uh, the techniques by the reporters. Like that's that, that's a Sawaski free zone because the reporters were trying to ask follow ups to Jimbo and Jimbo had more. Jimbo kept interrupting. Hey, I just want to ask Jimbo. No, no, no. Let me say. Let me tell you something else. Yeah. Yeah. Let me say. <laughs> let me say one more thing. About Nick Saban. Well, well, Jimbo, you said no, and let me tell you something else. He just kept going. Right. Um, ask about. And this ask is what I want to know. I, I do want to know this. I want to know this. Jimbo kind of gave us a hint. There's there's something there. Uh, every newspaper in Texas, every media outlet in Texas. If you got an investigative arm, get to work. Here's some boots. Here's some gloves. Put your hard hat on. Let's go because Jimbo has just teed it up for you. Karen Phillips, the floor is yours. Uh, well, first of all, uh, there is a great story uh, that's bubbling below the surface here that is full of humor and jokes that I would like to shine some light on is that uh, me and Steve Weiss were uh, tweeting about this earlier. If you're an HBCU today, um, you should be out here really doing some really good recruiting. Um, uh, homecoming ticket sales should be going up today um, because we should be doing um, all of the things that we can do possibly on social media or abroad to shine light on our HBCUs because today is one of those days where you can look at the SEC and the Nick Sabres and the Jimbo Fishers of the world and Dabo Sweeney, let's not leave him out of this, and say, look, this is how they really think about you. Come on back home, which is why I have this shirt on and I'm representing my alma mater right now uh, because the shot that was thrown at Deion Sanders and Jackson State um, is the thing that, um, you know, isn't going to get as much press as it should um, because it's Jimbo and this Nick Saban thing, you know, newsworthy is because we haven't seen coaches do anything like this. Like, this is the closest thing we've seen since, what, um, John Chaney and John Calipari when they got into it back <laughs> yeah, in the day. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, but, yeah. but listen, after, like, I know Michael Holly isn't, you know, feels differently as me and you do, Mike, about confrontation. But if you say that about another grown man in a press conference like today, then when they meet on the field of this season, uh, I am prepared and hope there would be some smoke. Uh, because when you use words like that, there needs to be some, um, some uh, little bit of furniture moving going on. Um, but as you said, as I was talking about earlier, like, listen, I have been one of the biggest critics of Deion Sanders and his grandstanding and what he's done at Jackson State and HBCUs, and I will continue to be um, with his clown behavior that I feel he's done. But I will stand with Dion and support him on this. Yes, this shot and the assertion that you can't get the number one player to flip from Florida State to Jackson State when Florida State has been trashed the last couple of years. Like, we're not even talking about how Florida State was even able to recruit the number one player with the product they put on the field lately. But the fact that black people just may not want to go to a school where they are celebrated and championed in love, that is the issue that we should be talking about more.
Um, because yeah, like I said earlier, I will side on Dion with this because Jackson State ain't got the budget. <laughs> Jackson State don't have the boosters. Jackson State doesn't have all of these things that Nick Saban is asserting that they have to even pull something um, no. like this. No, um, that's what I was saying it, earlier. Like God, like God forbid that mm -hmm. black people can have nice things. And by nice things, I mean, you know, affectionately, the number one prospect in the country yeah. when refer to them as a thing. Yeah. My biggest issue is property, referring to them as being bought. And, yeah. you know, look, it's not like it's, it's Deion Sanders. It's like maybe Travis Hunter, Hunter just wanted to go play for Deion Sanders. You know what I'm saying? Like once upon a time, like let's like who like who are we fooling? This entire sport was built on the backs of black people in general and HBCUs in particular. Listen. Rest in peace, Eddie. Rest in peace, Eddie Robinson. Right. Rest in peace, Grambling. Rest in rest in peace. All of the all of the Hall of Famers who who the National Football League was built on, okay, that came out of HBCUs. So for him to sit there and turn and look down his nose. As if, oh, well, the only reason he would go to some place like Jackson State is because they paid him is most hey, definitely insulting. And, and, and fellas, and, and can we, and can we just add this? Like, we we want to get historical here. If you want to be historically accurate, let's not forget what we're talking about. We're talking about the University of Alabama. There are some players on Alabama, if they're of a certain age, if their parents are of a certain age, their parents remember. Okay, here we go. Their parents. Alive and well. Remember when Alabama had its first black player? Mm -hmm. Michael, so this is not Michael, like oh, Michael, Al Michael, Alabama I, I, Michael, ain't had black players in the 1950s. Michael, I'm not even lying to you. Do you know who I talked to two days ago? John Mitchell. I talked to John Mitchell two days yeah. ago. How about that for full circle? I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm just saying, like first black player. Yeah, I talked to him the other day. Okay, it was not that long ago where Sam Bam right. Cunningham, as some people have said, did more for integration in 60 minutes than the civil rights movement did in 60 years at Absolutely. the University of Alabama. But it, it, yeah. it, like, it, it goes a little deeper than that, y'all. Like, let's think about it. Um, Lord, like you said, Mike, Lord forbid somebody black wants to go to an HBCU like Jackson State, a program that has produced more Hall of Famers than certain top programs in the SEC. And if we want to tie this to the bigger picture, um, I remember when I was at the New York Daily News back in like 2018, I did this interview with this kid you might have heard of lately called Kayvon Thibodeau. When he went on a visit to FAMU, and he went on the unofficial. And I talked to him about it because it caused some, you know, some national headlines and it was bubbling under the surface a little bit, but didn't really blow up. And in that interview, Kayvon broke it down to me. And this is when he was in high school. He was like, look, I, I didn't go over to FAM because I went to this camp at Florida State, went across the street. He was like, no, I wanted to see what FAM was about. He was like, I'm a California kid. We don't have HBCUs on the West Coast. Now, look, I might not wind up choosing FAM, and he wound up going to Oregon, but he was like, look, if you are a 304 star and these PWIs and these big programs are overlooking you or trying to change your position, go to an HBCU. He said this to a national publication like the New York Daily News when I was there. So this notion of that's been getting a lot of a play the last couple of years about HBCUs and top athletes, like let's go back and give Kayvon Thibodeau his props because he was on it years ago. But we saw this in college basketball a couple of weeks ago. Y'all remember when the Isaiah Wong situation happened at the University of Miami? Um, when we thought that he had, you know, he was going to potentially transfer if he couldn't get more NIL at Miami and then the world blew up because how dare a player want to 
potentially or allegedly renegotiate his contract and his NIL deal that he had outplayed, given that he was the only player on a team that went to the Elite Eight that had made all conference in the ACC two years in a row and was one of the biggest reasons why they made it to the Elite Eight. And I was at that Sweet 16 and Elite Eight in Chicago. I covered those two games. So for we saw what this was going to do a couple of weeks ago with that situation. And look, we knew what this was going to be last July when NIL became national. It was only a matter of time before discussions like this started happening and coaches start doing these things um, because we knew when the workforce that looks like us was going to start getting money, oh, things yeah. were about to change. So we are all we are all united. We're presenting a united front here. So I do not want to distract too much from the task at hand, which is calling attention <laughs> to, to Nick Saban's hypocrisy and his insulting remarks regarding the quality of an HBCU education or athletic participation. Having said all that, feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't double back Karn and ask you about this so-called clown behavior you mm -hmm. identify from Dion. What, what's your issue with Dion? I don't know that we've ever talked about that before. Oh, I'm a good five, six, seven columns deep. Like, where, where do you want to start? We can start with the fact that this is someone who got a black reporter banned from um, covering his team um, because of some shady situations they had on. And when he was about to get called on it with some actual facts and evidence, he had a black reporter banned. This is the same man who all of a sudden cares about HBCUs, but didn't care about him until he got on the payroll at one. This is the same man whose son is a freshman starting QB, about to be a sophomore, who said before the season started, we come here because we want to, not because we have to, taking a job at other players at programs at HBCUs. But yet, uh, Deion's son, who had 20 offers before mm -hmm. and was going to Florida Atlantic, did not have a single HBCU on his list. But all of a sudden, you care about HBCUs when your daddy is on the payroll at one. <laughs> like... And we can go down the list and spend a lot of time on what Dion is doing. And you can say he's, he's shining a light and he's bringing attention. Cool. But all attention ain't good attention. Because the last time I checked, this was a man who, who told us willingly after the season was over that he took multiple, multiple. He got on Dan Labatar and told us this. He took multiple job interviews during his first year on the job at PWIs. How can you care about us, say you stand up for us and trying to change us, if you are trying to leave us within the first 12 months you are there for these white schools who are going to pay you for? Are you here for so, us or are you here for Deion Sanders? So you, yeah, so it sounds like you're one of those people, this has it's been speculated for a while that this was just an opportunity and a stepping stone that he wasn't lo really long and committed to this, to this work. Uh, you you want to you got it seems like you feel like he's on his he's got one foot out the door essentially at the, oh, he, the first he, opportunity is what you think he's had this out the door. All right, let's go back to last spring because uh, Jackson State played that that shorter spring schedule because of the uh, pandemic that some schools were pandemic, doing right. Yeah. 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 Do y'all remember the first game they won? They beat Edward Waters College NAI school blew them out. Y'all remember that first game? Dion came in a press conference. He didn't talk about what his players did, how they have, you know, dealt with this pandemic and overcame and got their first win. What was the first post-game press conference of Deion Sanders' head coaching career like at the collegiate level? He spent it talking about himself 
because allegedly he got robbed and he spent the first couple of minutes talking about how he couldn't even call his mama because somebody stole his stuff. But lo and behold, here we go finding out later that somebody just moved his stuff so it wouldn't get taken. But we didn't hear about the students. We didn't hear about the passing yards, the defense, the offensive and defensive strategy. We didn't hear about any of the things those kids did for him. What's the first thing out of Deion Sanders' mouth? It was about Deion Sanders. That's the problem. Noted. Noted. Um, But I guess we'll wrap it up by, uh, once again, like we said earlier, today is about... Dion, no, it's not so much about Dion, but it's about <laughs> Nick Saban and the, and the Dabo Sweeney's of the world who have long right. made it about them versus the players. It's been a plantation mentality long enough. And, you know, now that they get, it's, it's crazy, now that they're getting paid over the table, seems like yeah. it's a bigger problem than when, they, when players were getting paid yeah, under the that's table. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. They can't control me. it. Everybody they don't, they don't. They don't have control. And that makes him very uncomfortable. Yeah. That's Man, the issue. It's such, it's such a tragedy when Bryce Young is making a million dollars, but he get you to the final four. Hmm. Karn, Something. Karn, I, 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 Karn, I said earlier, if, if you only got $3 million for 25 players <laughs> at Alabama, you're doing it wrong. That ain't the right way. You're doing it the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> $3 yeah. Million? That's all they got? <laughs> all the money I'm bringing in? <laughs> hey, man, we appreciate you. Thanks for following that's, through. That's all he's willing to report. That's all that, that, that Nick Saban is willing to report right now. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. You don't want to say tough situation. We knew he was expecting a baby soon and was going to get induced in between some games and uh, things happen in life, and like I said, we support our guys and always want them to be there in those situations for their family. Um, but we've had guys out quite a bit this year in this uh, postseason and had to make do. Make do. And so um, Marcus being out last game, we beat Milwaukee without Marcus game and three games without Rob, like I mentioned. And so um, kind of mixing and matching early in the season, going through COVID situations and injuries. Um, and then you know, you get two back, you possibly get two back, you lose one tonight is what it is, and you have to keep playing. Um, look at series we played, uh, Middleton being out, they, they played us tough without him. Uh, Lowry being out now, Miami's going to do what they do, and we have to do the same. All right, so Celtics swingman Derek White yeah. is going to miss game two tonight. Um, he's going to be back in Boston for the birth of his child. Um, Averages uh, 11 points, three and a half assists, three point four rebounds, uh, and he's in the Celtics are nine and a half points per 100 possessions, better than their opponents when he is on the floor. That's the best of any regular. So this is a significant loss on the bright side for Boston. Marcus Smart is back, and uh, so is Al Horford. Um, so they'll have those two guys back that they missed in game one. But I want to focus in on, on Derek White, Michael, because you know I, I yeah you know you, you hate you hate to look at a tweet or two or one response or two and think that it's representative or reflective of a larger group of people. But I can't yeah. imagine anybody anywhere that 
considers him or herself to be an actual human being doing anything other than congratulating and applauding Derek White for prioritizing the birth of his child over a potential birth in the NBA Finals. You know, yeah, uh-huh. this could Ooh, nice. the Celtics could Ooh. the Celtics could end up being down 0-2. Thank you. I the see Celtics. that on the page. <laughs> I see that on the page. The, oh, yeah, the Celtics could be down 0-2 for more reasons than just Derek White. I mean, he's valuable, but I mean, come on, yeah. if they lose, it's not going to just be because he wasn't playing. Um, yeah, they could be down 0-2, and, and maybe that cost them an opportunity at a championship this year. But talk about once in a lifetime opportunity to see the miracle of life. I mean, if I, I think of it this way, for those that do have an issue with it and do think that he's le- somehow letting the team down. I mean, I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, maybe there's a boogeyman I'm, I'm, I'm arguing with right now. But nonetheless, anybody that's got a, that's even got the slightest bit of an issue with him choosing to be with his family for the birth of a child, a, you never, you don't have children because if you have children, you understand. So you don't have any children. Number one, number two, mm-hmm. if you do have, ch- wait, okay, if you do have children and you have a problem with it, yeah. you don't love them very much. <laughs> no, and your relationship with them is probably toxic. Okay. <laughs> and number three, no, but in all seriousness, it's like if, if, if somebody close to him had died, and I do think about Isaiah Thomas performing brilliantly through the death of his sister a few years ago. His sister, we've seen people, yeah. We, yeah, we've seen people fight through grief, but if somebody close to Derek White had died, I doubt that there would be any criticism of him missing game two in response to death. What's wrong with him missing game two to celebrate life? You know, and to be uh, alongside his wife. You and I both know that there is no experience quite like it. You are a little braver than I am in terms of like taking in the whole picture. I was advised there are certain things you cannot unsee. So I just decided to kind of stay above the neck, you know, props to you. Um, yeah. But there is absolutely, you don't, I you don't get any of these. Did you really like, I caught like, the kids. Like, uh, like this. The middle one I did. The middle one I actually did. He, he was in the air. He was yeah. up there. Oh, oh, I got it. I got it. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, you know oh, what I'm saying. Great. You don't get any of these. Mo- you don't get yeah. any of these moments back. None of them. Bruh. None of them back when it comes to the opportunity to see your child come into the world. So congratulations to him. And uh, Hannah is his wife, or or, or his uh, his partner. Go ahead. Uh, all right. Well, you know, listen, man. You said. No, you know, you don't want to argue with, uh, you know, a, a tweet or two and or argue with people who are out there. You're not arguing against a boogeyman. You said not necessarily uh, arguing against boogie persons. You're arguing against a principality. You're arguing against the spirit because there is a spirit out there. And I was going to say it's generational, but it's not generational. It's just like certain and it's mostly men. From my experience, it's mostly men who think this way. Who, and, and, and they used to think this way, a lot of them, in a certain era. Hey, just tell me when the baby's here. You know, Bill Parcells said that in, in one interview with his wife sitting right next to him. Hey, I don't want to hear anything. Just show me the baby. And there are certain guys who came up that way. Now, fortunately, this is yeah. where I say I'm so glad. I, 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 think, I, I thank God. I truly do. I thank God that I wasn't around my father. Because that maybe I would have been a little twisted on the way to raise children. I didn't have right. that. I didn't have that. I didn't have that bias. I always thought, okay, I want to be involved. But I did see some men who weren't involved. 
and that was normal for their era. They sat there in the waiting room. A nurse right. came out and told them or a doctor came out and told them, hey, your son is here. Your daughter is here. They hand right. out cigars. Yeah. And then once they get home, oh, hey, 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 I'm going back to work and, and, yeah. and let my let my wife, let my girlfriend take care of it. I'm not changing any diapers. I'm not walking yeah. around. I'm not burping the baby. I'm not doing any of that. That's that's women's work. So there's a certain thought people who think sure. that who think like that. And when they look at it and we have people in the media, I remember Mike Francesa on WFAN having a hard time thinking, well, a guy is on paternity leave. What's he going to do? Yeah. The baby, yeah. the baby's already born. What's he doing? Get back to work. Yeah. It I might be that, that way. deep for some people. It might be that yeah. deep for some people. That's 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 it might just be a surface level like well, what's more important than chasing an NBA championship? I mean, we got a, a very warped and twisted, <laughs> that's you know, yeah, well, that's you know I mean, but I think I, I would venture to say, Michael, that I don't I, I'm just going to guess now. Maybe I'm giving those same boogeymen and that spirit too much of a benefit of the doubt. I would venture that for most people it ain't as deep as like what's man's or woman's work or whether you, you know, should be there for your children. It might just be like, well, can't you like just, you know, catch up with the kid later? Like, do you have to be there? Like, you know, can't you just can't you just be there for your can't other you, family? Can't you be there for the can't you FaceTime family? Can't thing? you FaceTime it? You can't know, you and, FaceTime? And, and, and honestly, to each his own. There are some players who I'm sure would make the decision to stay with their family. There are some who have. I'm sure can't think of all the top of our head, but there are plenty of players who have missed the birth or births of their children in Stop. order to be with their team. Some have, but but you know, I just wouldn't once again. I don't like the idea of disrespecting somebody's choice to be with his family. You ain't got to agree with it, but don't sit there and criticize it. Or not. Well, I was gonna say either way, either way. So yeah. if, you're, if you're one of those yeah, people, sure. if you're one of those people who sure. says, "Hey, my wife, we know what's coming, but you know, sorry, we, we got game two. We need to pick this thing up. I gotta be there." All right, if that's the way you want to do it, I'm not gonna say how dare you. I won't say that. Um, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, my wife reminds me often that I didn't take enough time. Now I was off. I was there. Now all of my kids, it just so happened. It just so happened. All of our kids were born on Saturday. All three of them born on Saturday. Hmm. So wasn't necessarily like a Monday or Tuesday. Wasn't like, oh man, oh wait a minute, I'm on my way to work. I just was. Yeah. <laughs> happened to be off. You you on, could on be each in those days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so born well, I mean, on Saturday, you, did. you you and well, I didn't go back to work on. Um, you and Oni left a Celtics game to bring this full circle. Yes, we did. When Robinson was we born, we right? Left the Celtics was, game. It was it was That's Robinson, right. right? It was number one. Yeah, Robinson. You left yeah. it. So there you go. Great. So seat. you set the example for Derek White anyway. There you go. So there's precedent here. There's precedent. Oh man, <laughs> those are some good seats though. <laughs> Can't believe we left those. I seats. want. I want. I want them big baby. Pun intended. I wonder if Big Baby tried to steal those seats after y'all left. He came down and you, you know, know what? Try to take him. We'll get into the actual game in a minute. We'll get to the actual game with Tom Haverstrup. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You know, we don't have to look too far, but at ourselves of how we've gotten better. Um, we've lost two games in a row on the road and found a way to get back in the series. We've lost the first game and got back into the series. So um, this is one game they, they did their part. Um, and now we got to figure out, you know, again, making shots helps our defense. But, you know, give them credit. They were good tonight. I mean, yeah, they were doing a great job on me, uh, especially in the second half. Uh, but I think I got I got a bit better. Uh, uh, that's not me. And as a leader, you know, I got to... I gotta be better for the whole group, so that, that's on me. Jeff, since, since you're reflecting a little bit, do you, do you remember what you thought when Clay said it's championship or bust? That's in November. You guys are 15 and two at the time. He said that this year. I missed it. I, uh, November. I, I was confused. No, yeah, I didn't hear November. It. A couple months before he he came back, and you guys were 15 and two at that stage. So. I. It's funny because him being away, I'm sure I, I expected him to say something like that just in anticipation of him coming back. But um, like I said, it's an exciting time to be back on the stage. We're not uh, skipping ahead any any you know part of this journey. We understand that we just won one game in the Western Conference Finals, and we got a lot of a lot of work left ahead of us to <clears throat> get back to. Uh, Back to the final, so we'd love to make him a profit this year. True, as you know, it's usually not just one game when it comes to these Golden State Warriors, who are now 21 and 2 in game one under Steve Kerr, and they've won 19 of 20 series, went up 1 0, and that only loss was, of course, the 2016 finals. Now, on the flip side, the Mavs made 11. Of 48 threes, Stro. 44 mm. of those threes wow. were open or wide open. So I guess, how do you view the series after one game? Is it just one game, or the Warriors just too good for Dallas, and it's really more than just one win? Yo, Mike and Mike, how many times did you watch that game last night and go, how did he miss that? How'd he miss that? Like routinely, mm -hmm. time and time again, to get these open shots and they missed. And I just kept being like, man, if those things drop, this is going to be a game. And if you look at mm -hmm. the numbers, eight of 28 on wide open threes, eight of 28, a 29% field goal percentage on wide open threes. They, as a team, normally hit 41% of those wide open threes. And Luca was just feeding them, feeding them, feeding them, and getting them those open looks, and they weren't going down. So if they just shoot average on those shots like they normally do, that's 12 points right there that they're getting back. And who knows? Like, they can get hot in the next game, and there's every reason to believe that they will get hot in the next game, because here's why. Luka Doncic is the undertaker meme. He is. Luka Doncic, just when you think he's down, just when you think he's dead, he always comes back and punches you right back in the face. Here's a stat for you. After a loss, Luka Doncic this season is 21-5, and five, okay? He's won about 80% of his games after a loss. That's the best you'll find for any star in the NBA. But even more impressive is that he's 20-6 and six against the spread in those games, which means... 
Vegas is already accounting for the strength of the opponent, and Luka Doncic is doing better 70-plus percent of the time than Vegas thinks he'll do in that game. So they are 20-6 and six against the spread after a loss. And in this, in this postseason, you've seen it. Jason Kidd mentioned it. They lost game one against Utah, won the series. Lost game one against Phoenix last actually the first two games against Phoenix and came back to win the series. So I fully expect the Warriors to win this series, but I fully expect but. Dallas to bite back and win game two in Golden State. Yeah. You know, it, you know, it's so funny, uh, fellas. If you go back and, and watch the game broadcast of game seven in Phoenix, Dallas Suns, at one point, it's hilarious. No, when you know the result and you go back and watch it, at one point, like early second quarter, commentators were like, "Man, Dallas should be up by 25 in this game if they would just if they would just make their shots." And at that point, it was still like Phoenix wasn't scoring, but Dallas wasn't scoring either. So this isn't really not unusual. Dallas had some of this going in Game Seven. We forget about it because it became such a laughable result. Mm-hmm. But at one point in Game Seven, they were going through the same issue, and they figured it out. And they figured it out, and Phoenix didn't. I do think um, I do think fellas that that Dallas is going to figure this thing out. But how do you think Tom the approach will be to Luca or, or I should say the response. What's Luca's response because not only are they attacking him, but they're picking on him uh, defensively and he's really struggling. What do you think his response is going to be in game two? Yeah, he's got to attack and get in the paint and trust his teammates because if he continues to drive penetrate and kick and he's rewarded with some of those threes going down, that puts a whole lot more pressure on that Golden State defense. Let me tell you, if you're a defense and you see the ball going through the net on those open threes, you're closing out harder next time. You're not shading closer to the rim on those Luka drives as much. So really, I do believe that the cure to the Dallas Mavericks, you know, countering this Golden State defense is actually hitting their shots, not because they need to just make those shots, but what it does for that that next time down the floor when he drives. That guy shading off in the corner is not going to be going too close to the paint if he knows that Reggie Bullock is going to hit that shot. So it perpetuates itself. When they make shots, it makes things easier for Luka Doncic to drive and penetrate into the game, into the paint. And I think that's the biggest key is continue that playbook of drive and kick. That's how they got here. They don't need to reinvent the wheel to win game two. Yeah. Uh, switching over to the Eastern Conference uh, game two tonight. So we get Celtics get Marcus Smart back and Al Horford back from health and safety protocols. But as we just talked about a few moments ago, no Derek White, who is going to be uh, with his uh, wife as they bring a life into the world. So. Uh, God, God bless them. Uh, do the Celtics have a prayer, though, against mm. these Miami Heat and that possessed man known as Jimmy Butler uh, with Smart and Horford coming back? Man, how good is Jimmy Buckets? I mean, that guy, he has five 40-point games in the postseason and zero in the regular season with the Miami Heat. This guy elevates his game when the lights are brightest. And we always say that as a cliche, but those are the numbers. I mean, those are the facts that this dude really does go to superstar all-time level when it comes to the postseason play. You saw it in the bubble and people were skeptical after last year's beatdown by the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, does Jimmy Butler have that left or was that bubble just a flash in the pan? No, it's not. 
Like this guy, if I had told you that he had nine points, five assists, four steals, and three blocks in game one, and I didn't even tell you about the scoring total, you would have thought MVP. Like he does yeah. so much for that team outside of the scoring column that anything above 20 points is just icing on the cake. This dude is getting 41 when he's already doing everything else on the floor for them. So the only yeah. concern I have for him is just whether he has enough in the tank when he's going to be going against Marcus Smart and Al Horford. Those looks are going to be a lot tougher. They're going to they're going to actually lock him in and make sure that he doesn't get into the paint because that's the thing about Jimmy. He doesn't like taking threes. So if they wall off the yeah. paint with, with Marcus Smart taking charges and with Al Horford, that's going to become a lot more difficult for Jimmy Butler. But he's shown, man... He lives for this stuff. So I would expect Jimmy Butler to be just as good in game two, even if Marcus Smart is out there. Well, I, listen, and I, I know he hasn't won a championship yet, let alone two in the case of LeBron or three in the case of uh, of Dwayne Wade. But it, it, you, it could straw. I was thinking about this earlier when, when you were coming on. Like you, you spent so much time around the heat in that organization. Like you truly do understand what hashtag heat culture means. Of course, I'm not saying that Jimmy Butler is LeBron or D Wade as a player or even that he means as much as LeBron and D Wade did uh, to the heat when they were there. But I guess could you put into perspective or context just how he continues in that tradition, if you will, like do you see any similarities in terms of the way he leads and represents that organization and competes? on behalf of that organization in ways in the postseason in particular in ways that LeBron and Wade did before him. Yeah, you just got to look at that Marquette connection, right? D Wade and Jimmy Butler, they go way back. And I will say this, Jimmy Butler thrives on conflict. The Miami Heat thrive on conflict. You remember the bump gate from 2010. How could you forget bump gate 2010 when LeBron James shouldered Eric Spolstra? People think about that, but they don't re they don't remember that they went on a huge run right after Bumpgate. I think they won 18 of their next 19 games after that. When D Wade and Spo got in a little bit of a scuffle in the timeout against Indiana in the playoffs, they went, they came back and won that series too. Jimmy Butler and Spo go at it in a timeout against the Golden State Warriors B team in the regular season. And now they've been 15 and six since that scuffle, the best record yep, in the NBA. Well, you were you on the next day. I'm pretty sure you called that. You were on the day after. You were like, yeah, yeah. they about to go on a run now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. And, like, I don't want to call myself Thomas or anything like that, but I will say <laughs> I kind of felt like this is going to be their rallying cry. Is like they're like a muscle, right? you got to break some fibers to get stronger. And Pat Riley and Eric Spolster know that better than anybody that they, they, they need conflict. They need that adversity to get closer. And I do think that that Miami Heat team don't win the next two championships if they win that or if they, if they win the Dallas series, I don't think they go 3 P. I I think that Dallas series mm -hmm. honestly gave LeBron Dalvin James yeah. that yeah. gave LeBron James that slice a humble pie to look at himself in the mirror and say, I got to get better. I can't be frozen out there. I need to add stuff to my game. And I fully believe Dallas, yeah. that embarrassing loss, actually made them better oh, no going question. into the next two years. You know, I, I love this. I love I love the video there that, that you tweeted out. I love the stat 15 and six. You know, I have a friend here uh, in Boston. And he tells a story of how when he was a little boy, his father would always say to him when he get into these, hey, who's the best player debate? His father would always say, remember this. 
when you're debating. I watched Bill Russell. Bill Russell's numbers always got better in the postseason. Remember that. That's important. Jimmy Butler, the same thing. Same thing. So how do you evaluate that? Is it when we say top ten? Do we go on postseason Jimmy Butler, or do you balance his regular season numbers? What 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 what, what do you value when you try to, to me, consider I go back, what kind of player he is? Yeah, to me, I go back to Draymond Green's quote: "Is that they're 82 game players, and then they're 16 game players. 16 meaning 16 wins to win a championship. Jimmy Butler hasn't won a championship yet." But I feel the same way about him that I do with LeBron James, where it's just a matter of time for Jimmy Butler because he is about that life, yeah. right? James Harden, yeah. to me, I have doubts about James Harden if he's about 82 that life. 82-game player. <laughs> 82-game yes, player. No and I feel Listen, like man. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish the sentence. I, I, I just like... feel like Jimmy Butler is cut from a different cloth than James Harden. Not I really right. believe that, and you saw that this year. Yeah. Yo, Butler's a guy I would want on my team. If you ranking competitors and performers, ain't nobody better. Kind of like the Tom, he's kind of like the Tom Haberstroh of NBA players. What Tom Haberstroh is to information, it. Jimmy Butler is to performing on the big stage and competing with the best of them. Thank you, Strong. Appreciate you guys. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, man. So tonight, I mean, you know, we'll see if the Bucks can make Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I mean, the Celtics can make this a series. The Bucks. Oh, you want to do this? That you and I last. Oh, oh no, you we're going to do this. Do this. Hey, oh, how the Suns doing, by the way? How do you like their chance? Oh, yeah. Oh, don't think I forgot. Don't think I forgot. Just because oh. I was gone for three days don't mean it ain't happening. Don't think you avoid you enjoy the smoke. Jay? You enjoy game seven in Memphis? Whoop that tree. Did you enjoy that? You, Hey, man. Huh? Two you out of three. One of us got Megan two got out of three. Hair done. One of us got two out of three. Don't I'm change the subject. Got her hair done. Don't change the subject. You, I ain't Mr. changing it. I will take the Suns over the field. Okay, yes. you, the Celtics can wrong. win game six, but not game seven. Oh my God, you were ice cold. Don't think I forgot. I called game six. Don't so think I forgot. I the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keep for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand